What's up, world? Welcome to the Melanin Money Show, the official destination for personal finance, entrepreneurship, and wealth building for melanin millionaires. We will teach you the tools, the tips, the tactics, the hacks, and strategies you need to learn to become financially free so that you can be the wealth starter and legacy lever for your family. And I'm your host, George Action Palm, accompanied by co-host Jacqueline Shattuck and Carter Cofield. If you're ready to begin your journey to become a melanin millionaire, tune in, take notes, and let's go. go. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Melanin Money Show. And actually, our guest today was supposed to, I was actually supposed to be a guest on his episode before he was a guest on ours, but the stars just aligned this way and we're here and we're going to get the party started. Uh, I got a chance to connect with this gentleman um, not too long ago, man, but we we started talking. There was a ton of synergy there. Love what he's building. And we just, I just knew that we had to have him on the Melanin Money Show, right? Because we're trying to give y'all all the exposure to all the game on how to build wealth. And he's doing it in a way that I don't feel like a lot of people know about, right? And so we need to amplify this message as much as possible. So with no further ado, we got Bees, also known as Business Builder Bees on the show. How you feeling, man? Yo, I'm feeling great, man. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. We've had some great conversations already, bro, for real. Uh, that that synergy is real because immediately we connected on c- certain things that I was doing. I think you said you were looking to acquire something just recently and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden that popped up. So. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, law, law of attraction is unbiased, right? Yeah. <laughs> Carter, Jacqueline, how y'all feeling today? Good. I'm super excited that we have bees on today. I actually got to be present for your TED Talk. In TED Philly. Talk. Remember that? Yeah. That was the first time we met and uh, you blew it out of the water. So you guys should check that out after you listen to this episode. How you feeling? Carter? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. Happy to be here, man. Uh, just be around three amazing, uh, smart individuals. I hope to learn something today because this is something that has been on my list to learn. And I heard you're the best person to learn it from, brother. So I am happy to be here. I appreciate Absolutely, it. man. So, so, so bees, man, this is not something that, especially in our community, in our ecosystem, right, that is widely talked about. So I would love if you could kind of give us just your backstory on how you got into this space, right? How do you, how do you wake up one day and say, yo, I'm buying that business. And most people wake up and say, I'm buying that shirt. I'm buying that. I'm buying that, <laughs> I'm buying that business. Like walk us through that journey, man. How, how'd you, how'd you get into the world of M&A and just buying businesses and all that good stuff? So it's funny because I was just reflecting on that literally an hour before coming on here. I was uh, on my deal board and looking through the deals that my team has put together. And then I'm saying, you know, I'll say, oh, let's, I'm interested in this one. Let's move it through the process, contact the broker, et cetera. And, you know, I started looking, I was like, damn, I can't believe I'm looking at this type of business, that type of business. It's like the weirdest things like, oh, I never thought of that. But yes, it exists and it's out there making money already and you could just come and acquire it. But but let me let me explain how it all started. Um, I was in corporate America for uh, like 15 years and I was, you know, I worked at Accenture. I worked at uh, Microsoft. Um, I was an IT strategy management consultant. So I'd be sent into different Fortune 500 companies to help them to grow, to scale large multi-billion companies, multi-billion dollar companies to help them to grow further, to be more efficient. And part of the way from scaling, uh, one of the most important ways of scaling, apart from process systems and people, another way is through acquisitions. So these, you know, I would help to consult on which acquisition targets would be good for a large company and fit their industry, and then help to integrate. I worked a lot on the merger side too, integrating the teams together after the acquisition and things like that. 
So, you know, I got the exposure there. That's why I always tell people that, you know, yeah, I talk about being an entrepreneur and being an investor, but I started in my nine to five. And if you start in your nine to five, that's there's nothing wrong with that. But take things from there, learn from it and then use it if you want to get into your entrepreneur life. And um, then I keep this next to me at all times. This book, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? Mm, that's perfect for this show, right? <laughs> this book, this book is required reading in my Business Builders Institute. This book changed my life. It's the story of this guy right here, Reginald Lewis. Anybody ever heard of him before? Mm-hmm. Okay, good, good. Most people I, I mentioned and they're like, nah, I don't know. And I'm like, that's sad because this is the first black billionaire of modern times right? In the US. And he did it through leverage buyouts, buying businesses. And when you read this book, I mean, it's going to open your mind to a whole different world. So I was like, I need to know more about this. And I knew I was in the mergers and acquisition space in corporate America a little bit. This book came out probably like 2005 or something like that, or six. And I was in the mergers and acquisition space a little bit, but I wasn't doing an LBO. I was like, what's this? And I'm talking about, here's a, another book. This is called Barbarians at the Gate. It's the story of the largest um, uh, LBO in history. And that was with uh, Nabisco, right? So this ain't this ain't something new, right? This is something that has been going on for generations. And this is something that we just, you know, didn't think we could do too, right? And and most people would say, oh, the, wow, bees, that's amazing what you're doing. The, you know, teaching people this, that's above me though. And I'm like, no, it's not. I, did, I didn't make this up. I didn't create mm-hmm. it myself. It exists and we can learn it, but we need to be executing on it to create true wealth. I that's think that one of the beautiful things that you said was that a lot of us don't know about this, right? A lot of us subscribe to the struggle story. Like we think that there is a prize for suffering. Like we think that we have to start everything from scratch and do it all on our own. And what I love about what you're teaching is that you can literally buy something that's already cash flowing, that's already making money. You don't have to start your business from scratch. Right. And that's why I will forever sing your praises, because I'm like, more people need to know that you don't have to start from the bottom. We love that Drake song. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. But you don't really have to start from the bottom. Yeah. 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 That's a fact, because the thing like if anybody knows my mantra, right, my whole my whole MO is like, I hope people become financially free three times faster than traditional financial advice. Right. And one of the ways that you do that is you have to prioritize cash flow over accumulation. Right. So this, even though I love investing in the stock market, right. It's more, if you're not trading, right. It's more of an accumulation model, tuck $400 away for 40 years and voila, right. You'll have $1 million. You can live off $40,000. Great story. Right. When you start to look at being able to invest and in, acquire businesses, Right. You're like, oh, man, like, OK, so I can buy this business and I can get like cash flow today. I can only withdraw four percent from my million dollar portfolio. That's 40 grand a year. Like I have a million dollars locked up versus what could a million dollars do if I was acquiring a business? Not to mention if it doesn't even have to be my own million dollars. So like just starting to have those revelations, you start to realize that the traditional model of financial freedom is quite antiquated and quite dated. And you got to ask yourself who really stands to benefit from it, right? It's like, if your money's locked up for this period of time, you think it's really just sitting there? What are the institutions doing with it? And that's another conversation for another day. But it just really intrigued me, right? On how to have these other avenues 
to produce cash flow. So can you get into kind of some of the the high level like intricacies of like what is the process from A to Z at a high level to buying your first business? Right. Someone's like, man, this guy got me hooked off the rip. I got the books. I'm ready to go. Like, what's that step by step process at a high level if someone wants to get into this space and buy a business? Definitely. So so the first the first step is going to be what do you want to buy? Right. And that's the that's the craziest part of it, because there's so many great businesses to buy that you could you could feel like a kid in a candy store. Oh, wow. I want that one. I want that one. I want that one. And it just keeps going. But you have to be disciplined and, and uh, create a strategy for yourself. For example, if you're a, you're already an entrepreneur and you already have a business in trucking, maybe you want some sort of horizontal integration or vertical integration, you know, related to that industry. You you want you want the warehouses too. You want the 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 the, the dispatcher too, right? So you know that that could be the path around there. Now, after you decide what you want to buy, the traditional way, I'm, y'all hear me talking about leverage buyouts, LBOs. That's one strategy. That's not the only way, right? And to be honest, if I talk to 20 people, 20 sellers, maybe I got three of them completely zero out of my pocket. Maybe another five, I said, I'm still going to go for those five. And maybe I had to come up with 10% or something, but the rest was out of zero out of my pocket, right? So I play the numbers too. So the first thing you got to do is after you identify what you want to sell, you're going you're going to uh, start contacting brokers. You're going to go on some sites like the online broker sites, like uh, BizBuySell. Exactly. Yeah. BizBuySell.com is just a good way to start. It's not the only one. I could show you a thousand different methods. Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. We had a whole conversation. I was like, yo, my God, what is this? What's going on here? Wait a minute. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> but, no, don't hold out on us. Sprinkle two more in there. Sprinkle two more in there. So here's a here's a perfect example. You're gonna you're more interested in a restaurant. Yeah, you could go to Biz by Sell. It's the largest online broker site for businesses. Or you could go to restaurants-forsale.net, something like that, because they only focus on restaurants. You may find a better concentration in there. Or you go to flippa.com because you want to get um, uh, e-commerce businesses, maybe buy an Amazon brand or something. Or you go to, um, I mean, routesforsale.com if you're or I think it's rouseforsale.net. If you're um, into trucking, why buy just a trucking company? Buy one that has dedicated lanes. They got routes that's already part of the trucking company. So you come in day one, not having to hit on the load boards looking for, for work. You, you got dedicated lanes. That's the benefit of this because more than 80% of businesses that start up are gone in five years, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's crazy. On top yeah. of that, less than 5% of businesses even make it to seven figures in revenue. Mm-hmm. So if I'm acquire a business, what you think I'm going to do? I'm going to look for one that's older than five years old, already mm-hmm. got to seven figures, right? There's there's this thing called a stock purchase versus an asset purchase. I got into this whole argument with somebody because it was like, you can't get the, I, I always say that you could get the business credit when you're, when you're buying a business too. So don't worry about how to build business credit. You could acquire business credit. And somebody Ooh, now you're talking spicy. Oh, yeah. we, we, we go deep, but um, somebody said to me, no, you don't get the business credit with it because you're getting the assets. I was like, yeah, that's called an asset purchase. You can also do a stock purchase. Stock purchase, I'm going to get the actual entity. So when I got people coming to me on a regular basis on social media talking about, hey, you know, can you get me an age corp? I'm like, why well, get an age corp when you get a whole business? That's yeah. cash flowing. And if you do the stock purchase, you got their age corp. That you could go and get funding in, right? So mm-hmm. you know, we we have to stop running plays. 
we have to, you know, I, I, I got some good friends who always talk about run the play and the play this and that, but plays get played out. Mm-hmm. Plays, plays are more like get rich quick things. Like, yo, I got this thing. If you do this real quick, you could get that. You know what I mean? That's yeah. We don't need that no more. We need these things, sustainable strategies that other communities, I won't name what they are, have been doing for generations. Yeah. Yeah, you can pass a business, right? You can't pass a play. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Ultimately, I mean, I didn't finish the, the, let me go back to that high level real quick and just uh, run through it. So you contact the broker um, after you're on biz buy sell. They're going to say, okay, yeah, we can give you information. Here's an NDA you got to sign. You sign the NDA. um, They give you something called a SIM, C-I-M, Confidential Information Memorandum. Then you review it. It's going to have at least three years of P&Ls. You're going to probably want to ask for more because 2020 is in this three years and it's an outlier year and 2021 kind of too. So I want to see at least five years of P&Ls and other data. Then you you have your first meeting with them. You get some questions answered. It's all about building the rapport with the seller. It's not just about the numbers. Okay, hold hold on one second before you get too far. So on that first step, when they reach out to the broker, right through let's just say biz buy sell, reach out to the broker. Hey, I want to get the confidential information, right? And they say, okay, that's cool. Show us proof of funds. What do you say to somebody who's new to this and is like, I don't have proof of funds. I got like ten thousand dollars saved. So uh, we had a conversation about that in the community on our uh, first call back yesterday, last night. And I also mentioned how if you really want that business, there's ways that you could get proof of funds because it's not just about bank account. They they also look at other things and then you could bring in another investor that's coming with you. It's just like if you were going applying for a car and you wanted a co-signer or something. Right. Mm-hmm. However, let me explain the opportunity that is coming this way. What's up, guys? Have you ever been just like chilling on the couch and trying to find something to watch on Netflix and you're browsing, you're scrolling and you just can't seem to find anything that you either one haven't already watched or just doesn't seem that interesting? Well, I have the solution for you, because if you're listening to the Melanin Money show, then I know that you care about taking your financial life to the next level. And that's exactly why we created Financial Flicks. So instead of Netflix and chill, you can Financial Flicks and chill and you can find on-demand videos across personal finance, wealth building, and entrepreneurship. And right now, you can test drive Financial Flicks for just a dollar by clicking the link in the show notes. Go to melaninmoney.com forward slash Financial Flicks and check out all of the on-demand videos we have, plus all the other features that you'll get access to by joining today. There are, I focus on motivated sellers. And I'm going to go in a circle, but I'm coming back. I'm going to bring it all around. Motivated sellers, there's different types. Oh, uh, you had a partner you haven't had a disagreement with. Oh, it was a physical store. You're moving out the country, whatever. But I especially love the retirees. Mm. Retirees right now are baby boomers. All Mm -hmm. the baby boomers are retiring in this decade. All of them. That means out of the 50 million baby boomers, like 12 million have businesses. If somebody says, hey, well, we need proof of funds and we need this. Okay, no, see you later. <laughs> Go to the next person. The, the amount of deals that are out there is insane. <laughs> just from the baby boomers alone, just from the people who have had their business and it's like, oh, I don't want to go through another recession. They've they survived it before, but they're like, I'm tired. I just want to retire. Or a, a plethora of other reasons why you could get business for sale. So I say, don't even stress it. If you, Especially if you're new and young at this, you know, I got a, a, a student that's um 18. And wow. that's hard to be like, yeah, I'm an investor when I'm 18 to, to portray that. But there's ways to do it. And he brings in 
uh, other um, uh, older people that can come in and, you know, more experienced people that he'll partner with. But now he's he's this. It's like if you found a real estate property. Right. And you bring in somebody else. Hey, you want to go in and on this real estate? You get to control the terms. Right. Because you found it. It's your deal. So imagine you found a business for sale and you're like, I got. And I haven't even explained how we do the leverage buyout yet, but we're getting into that now. Let's say I got a business for sale. I found it. I, I got the NDA. I'm, you know, going into an LOI with them, a letter of intent. And then I say, okay, I need to get 20% upfront. I'm going to find an investor and say, hey, this is a great business. You can see all of this, all of the, the financials you get to know before you make a, a decision. It's the best mm-hmm. investment you can get into. And they, they give me that 20% and I take the 20% and go pay it to the seller, right? And now maybe I got 80% or no, let's say I got uh 70% seller financing. That's critical. I do, I do that in every deal. If, if they're not gonna, if they're not willing to offer seller financing, I'm out of it. And, and, and for our audience, you let them know what seller financing means. They might not fully understand that yet. For sure. So seller financing means that <clears throat> the seller is going to tell you you can pay them over time, just like how you would go to a bank and get funding from the bank and you're paying back the bank. Now you could just pay a percentage of the selling price to the seller over a period of time, usually five to 10 years. Lately, some people have been asking for three to five years more. Um, but guess what? Who is paying that 70% that I mentioned? Mm-hmm. Seller financing. The, the, the profits of the business you just acquired. The profits of the business, which I already know what the profits are because they gave me the SIM and all the financial information up front so I could reduce my risk as much as possible because I know what I'm getting into because I'm not buying a business that's two, started last year or two, two years ago or in 2020 for sure. Right. Yeah. Five or longer. And I will attest to this because I've done this three times and I use seller financing every time. Mm, so, so, so let me ask you this, because I feel like, again, we, we need to level set it for our audience. I mean, we have a we have a very smart, very intelligent audience. But some people are like, yo, like, is this possible for me? So I, I got a personal question for you. Do you think that somebody should be a business owner first before buying a business? Because if they never operated a business, it could be a chance that they might come in and potentially mess things up. So do you think that somebody who just quit their job or maybe still in their job could, you know, leave their job and go right into owning a business versus starting a business of their own? So two ways I'm answering that. The first way, 100%, you can start from scratch, never had anything, knew anything about it. And then you got into it. My neighbor and I talked about that recently because he bought his first funeral home when he was in college. He was like 18, 19, something like that. And he bought it from, and he's a black man and bought it from a a Jewish uh, funeral home, but he was able to take Take it over and change the community. And that's not easy to do. And if you, I digress. Anyway, um, but that's the first way that, yes, you could jump in in any way, whether you want to get into it. If you started your business from scratch, you still might fail. So it's not a different, you know what I'm saying? It's If you're getting into business, you might fail. It happens. But you get a head start if you acquire a business. But here's the other thing that I was going to say. My strategy is to be the mindset of an investor. Let me give you a little bit of background first. You, my, one of my favorite books is uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, right? Solid. Cash flow quadrant, right? Start in E, we're employees, we working in the business, we say those magic words, I want to work for myself, we go down to S, 
self-employed. We stay there too long because we're still in the business and we're still trading time for money. Then the, the lucky few make the transition to be business owner. Now you're working on the business instead of in the business. Now you're steering the direction of the ship. Now you've got more time back and you're trading results for money rather than time for money, right? But the ultimate quadrant is the I. And that mindset is different. The investor, you're working above the business. I don't want to be the CEO of nothing. Everybody loves talking about I'm the CEO. I don't want to be the CEO because then you still got to bother me today about some problem or something. I don't want to do it. I want to hire a CEO. And you may say, oh, but if I'm just starting my business, I can't afford to hire a CEO. That's why we buy businesses that cash flow that can afford to hire a CEO. And we have to change our mindset to be the mindset of an investor because it, it things like, for example, I think I might have told you this, George, but um, 25% of a watermelon is better than 100% of a grape, mm -hmm. right? So I have no problem giving up equity in a business. Why? Because I got 17 of them. And in this business, I only got 20%. In this business, I got, you know, 10%. In this business, I got 80%. In this business, I got 40%. And why would I give right. up that seat? Because I'm putting in management in place and incentivizing them to, they have ownership in the business. So they have vested interest in it. And now they're operating without me. So imagine if I am a brand new person to entrepreneurship, I decided to go buy a business and I decided to use B's um, strategy of let me find a business that has enough revenue in it so I can hire um, a, a, a operator, a, um, operations manager, a CEO, whatever it may be or promote one of the key employees that's already in it, who knows the who business, knows the business. Yeah, for like yeah. 20 years and have them running it. So yeah, because the key thing you said there was, is looking at it as an investor versus a business owner, right? Mm -hmm. And one thing I, I always say is, if you want 100% of the bag, you got to do 100% of the work, right? Okay. So you can get all the money, you can get every dime, right? Yeah. But you're going to be the operations manager, the sales manager, the copywriter, right? You're going to be everything to everybody. And you have to identify, you know, business and lifestyle alignment, right? Yeah. If you are addicted to work and hustling, maybe you want to be the CEO. Like, so here's a great example, right? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it because he's he's like the second, third richest person in the world. Elon Musk, great example. He, I think he legit loves to work, right? Oh, he like he loves it, right? <laughs> so he, for temporarily a CEO of Twitter, CEO of Tesla, CEO of SpaceX, right? And he's mm -hmm. filthy rich at the same token, but he loves to work. Now, versus someone who might have transitioned to just the founder role, and no longer as a CEO, you're still filthy rich, but you're not doing the day-to-day -day operations anymore, right? But you had to give up a little bit of that, right? Control, number one, which I think is more about control than it's about money, first and foremost, but give up a little bit of that control. And then in this case, in the small business world, give up a little bit of that money too. But my question though, is I feel like a lot of people in our culture because they're already not aware of like buying businesses in this space, I think they inherently believe that you have to start something from scratch. And more importantly, they're very attached to the thing that they built, right? So the, I, this idea of even building something that you can sell or buying something that you're not emotionally attached to and it's just cash flowing, how would you help somebody unravel that mindset or reconcile with that mindset who's like just is so gung-ho on the idea that my business has to be the thing that I'm immensely passionate about? The first thing I'll say is that... Um, a company because I've started multiple businesses too, right? right. Uh, and then acquired into them in order to grow them. One of the businesses I started in uh, 2020, yeah. like everybody else, was a car rental business, right? 
Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was just so, I was just excited. I'm like, sure, why not? So I went ex- I went above and beyond and, and got like a bunch of Lamborghinis and all, you know, super uh, cars and everything. And we had a huge operation with a warehouse that was event space and everything. Um, but <clears throat> the first thing that had to happen for me prior to that, I used to name my cars like my red G35 was Candy. Uh, my blue um, uh, Hellcat, that's Smurfette. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's the name it. But that personalization was because that's my baby. No, you can't drive my baby. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. But I, I had to detach myself because that baby is a depreciating, you know, liability. But if I wanted to turn it into an asset and start thinking about everything I do it has to be working for me and producing money for me, I had to break that attachment. So that was the first thing yeah. that you have to do. You just have to do. I can't tell anybody how to do it. They're going to have to figure out how to break that attachment because, for example, my mother, my mother used to I'm Jamaican. Right. So uh, I don't know if this is in the U.S. or not, but China cabinets. You ever heard of that? And it has fine China in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That you could yeah. never use. You try to use that. <laughs> <laughs> that you could never use. Right. So she used to mm-hmm. be like, oh, Bjorn, when when you're when I'm gone. Uh, this is that that's going to be for you. I was like, I don't want it. Like, <laughs> so I'm yeah, saying that because what, what a lot of people find out is that they, they build a business and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to leave this to my kids and blah, blah. And the kids don't want it. There's, that's a whole thing that the whole meme they're talking about. Millennials don't want this and blah, 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 blah. They don't want grandma house and all sorts they of things. They don't want yeah. it, right? Man, so, kids don't even want to drive these days. For real, you know? So I, I feel that you have to break that attachment because it's about business. That also goes towards how you name your businesses, right? If you decide, um, oh, you know what? I'm going to name, uh, in the mindset of a, a CEO or self-employed, you're thinking about building your business credit. If you're thinking about building business credit so that you can get the most funding, then there's certain names that you should not use because you'll be put into a restricted list from the banks because that's they'll 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 identify a SIC code that they're assigning to your your company, especially if it's a new company, right? So, for like example, crypto it, winners. Crypto not, even, not even that trucking. You would think that right. trucking is not a restricted li- um, industry. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is because it's a high risk industry because those are ticking time bombs on the road. So right. if you say my company's name is Bees' Trucking Emporium, immediately they're going to uh, assign an SIC code to me of trucking gotcha. and now they're going to get less funding, right? <laughs> yeah. So the, the smarter thing to do is because you're thinking of building business credit, like as a CEO, the smarter thing to do is say Bees Empire or something. Bees Enterprise. Right. And and say it's kind of agnostic, but that's not smart when it comes to true wealth and true thinking as an investor and true trying to grow a business. Warren Buffett is doing all of this. Warren Buffett said if he had to start from scratch again and lost all of his money, he would start by buying small businesses, growing them a little bit because there's a lot of room to grow. They were just doing inefficiencies and such. And now I would I would sell it and 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 cash out. So it's the same thing that we have to do. We have to think that we we want it to be called B's Trucking Empire because we want people to know what it does. We want a strong brand. That's important, right? So again, we go back to the mindset of a business owner versus the mindset of the um, investor. And you know what I learned very recently too that kind of was mind blowing for me because um, I was doing some research because I got this crazy content series coming out and I was doing research on the stock market. And what you realize is there's a difference. You have like legal entities, you have brands, you have products, right? A lot of the people, 
the businesses that people think are businesses are actually brands, mm-hmm. right? That roll up, right? To these legal entities that you've never heard of in a lot of cases, right? Yeah. And so what I learned about that is it allows, number one, to your point, for you to create that legal entity that's agnostic, if you will, right? But then to the general public, right? You might have these, these all these different brands and you're giving your audience or your cu- customers or would-be customers the illusion of choice as well at the same token, right? They think, oh, I'm just, work- I'm, if I buy this vegan meat. I'm not supporting Tyson Foods or whoever. We're the whole time they own a vegan, a vegan <laughs> brand. Too, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's yeah. like, it's just very powerful when you think about it with the end in mind, you're not so attached emotionally to what you're doing. Cause you get money from everybody. Like, you know, this is the melanin money show, right? Who's to say one day we don't have a brand. Nobody knows we own. We got just set of black, brilliant, big in the making. We got white, wealthy and winning and we own it too. We're getting their money too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Who's to say? Right. But it's just, it's just, it really just does open your mind up to like what the mind of an investor and an owner versus like, oh, I got to brandish my name all over this because I want the world to know that this is mine. Ooh. It makes it less attractive from someone one that wants to buy it too, right? As well. So Agreed. that was Agreed. cool. Because if you have to be the face of it in, in order to co- uh, continue sales and continue growth, then no one else, that's not a, a business that's sellable. It's not a business that's scalable if it's dependent on one person like that. So yeah. 100% mm-hmm. I agree with that. Now, yeah. So my question well, is this, and I, I'm, I'm playing um, that, well, we're, changing, we're saying God's advocate now, right? Not, no, no, no devil's advocate, God's right. advocate. Right? I like so like I, I'm a CPA by nature, like got my master's degree in finance and all that. So this all makes sense to me, right? But but like if, if it's somebody new that wants to buy a business and they don't know how to read a P&L, like how, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it sounds good. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can read one and I have to read one. I'm an accountant, but like, yo, B's, you're my dog. But like, bro, you said read a, read, read a P&L and you lost me. Like, how do we get past that to make sure our audience doesn't limit themselves to thinking that this is not for them? I love Carter's questions because I got two answers again for you. <laughs> the first one is that um, when I start talking about P&Ls and talking about EBITDA and SDE and start talking about multiples and all these things, people are like, yeah, that's, that's too much. None of Nothing I just mentioned is unique to business acquisition. If you start a business from scratch, you also got to read a PL. You also got to know what you you're- better. You ain't going to be in business very long. Or you ain't going to be in right. business very long. You also need to know what your SDE is, what your seller discretionary earnings are. You need to know these things. It's not unique to the acquisition. It's unique. It's unique to business in general, right? But second answer. Yes, I do teach my students how to read a PL. To, at a basic level, but I also give them the resources and say, listen, I don't do it only myself. I bring in a third party financial services firm that's going to do financial due diligence for me. I bring in a legal firm that's doing my legal due diligence, right? Those two things then combine. And then I'll also, also, I'll also tend, I'm, I'm closing next week. Finally, it's been forever because of a lawsuit they were going through. I'm closing on a nightclub in South Florida. Oh yeah. You're telling me about that. No. Yeah. Finally. Dope. I was hoping to do it on my birthday, but it didn't happen. So and my business is on my birthday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Light work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> What'd you say though, Carter? No, I was saying, what's a long time qualified to you? What's a what? I said, you, you said a long time. What does that, what does that mean? To you, what's oh, a long oh, time? Because I said it took a long time? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'll answer that in a bit, but I was in the due diligence already and the due diligence took longer than I expected. What's going on, guys? George Pong here, and I am the founder of Melanin Money, the number one brand for wealth builders of color. You know, I look at wealth building like a sport. In every sport, you gotta have a uniform. And so what is the official uniform for wealth builders of color? 
that's where Melanin Money comes in. So if you go to melaninmoney.com and use code MELANIN15, you'll get 15% off your order of the entire store. And I think you're going to absolutely love our latest additions, right? It's literally a um, productized emotion of what it feels like to build black wealth, right? But you get to wear it. Um, you get to share the world, like your hard work that you're doing on this journey of building wealth. And we can't wait for you to join Team Black Wealth by shopping melaninmoney.com. Um, because of the holidays and stuff like that. But um, uh, the third thing that I do is industry consultant. So in the nightclub, listen, I don't even drink. I don't drink no liquor. <laughs> I don't I don't go to a club like that. It's just this is me right now, right? But I'm buying a nightclub because I also had some investors that wanted to come in on it. But I don't know nothing about what's currently popping in nightclubs and stuff. So I went to an industry consultant that came in and evaluated everything and said, hey, they're not even doing bottle service right. They don't have the hookah. Actually, they have hookah, but they have they, ex, they um, uh, outsource it to an external consultant. If you brought that in, you'd increase revenue by 80 um, percent. I noticed that they have a kitchen, but the, the, the less than five percent of revenue is made up from food. They're not trained and, and the servers are not trained to, to sell the food. They, they never offered me a menu. They go in as a secret shopper and all of that type of stuff. So wow. I'm bringing in professionals. He got it dialed in. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, but so, so real quick before do. I forget. Um, mm-hmm. So you mentioned like, okay, well, I, I bring in these third parties, right? So how do you go about finding these people? Part one and part two, if someone were to join your community where you educate people on this, do you have like a database of resource? Obviously, there's so many different businesses you could buy, right? But like, do you have like baseline um, resources that people can tap if they need to identify these third parties to be able to, you know, bet out these businesses? And not, o- not only like a list, hey, go check these out, but some partners too who have come into the community and spoken and said, okay, uh, just for y'all, if you, um, you know, want financial due diligence, use this link. It'll take you directly to the, the pricing that we have with uh, the BBI, blah, blah, blah. Right. So we're trying to use our power now to create some leverage in the community. I got a bunch of black um, owned banks that I'm, um, you know, I have a good relationship with different partners in it and owners, CEOs in it, everything. And I'm trying to bring them to together where we could get funding for actual deals. Right. Everybody been asking me why I don't um, create like a, a, a conference. I'm like, I don't want a conference the way that conferences have been going recently. It's like the conference is more about trying to sell you on something else to upgrade to. I don't need that. Right. If I'm having a conference with my community, especially, it has to be something valuable. We we need to be looking at deals. We need to be closing deals. We need to bring in investment bankers in. We need, I have a, a, a database of um, family offices. Most of my students was like, what's a family office? I was like, see, mm-hmm. we got a lot of work to do because the, the rich talk about these things. The wealthy, not the rich, the wealthy talk about these things and we just ignore it. So we're using trust. We're using infinite banking in our negotiations when we're... um. Uh, acquiring businesses because we we show people that, hey, if I give you all this money right now, you're going to get taxed on it. But if you let me pay you over time through seller financing, then you won't get taxed immediately on the windfall. If you let me put it into something called an infinite bank for your insurance policy, and we could tie that, we can even have two or three of them for your kids too. And all that money is now not going to be taxed and you can borrow against it. They're like, what? What's that? Creative deal structuring. That's what this is all about. That's how I'm able to get these businesses with no money out of my pocket. Just stacking the yeah. deal with different things. That's facts. Because most people like just because you start a business doesn't mean you're financially savvy. Right. And so what it, what it sounds like what ends up happening is 
these people are, you know, on the brink of retirement. They've worked hard. They, you know, they built something that's sustainable. And now they're, they are ready to retire. They are ready to have a liquidation event, but that doesn't like, magically make them financially astute, right? They just grew a business, right? So sounds like what you're also bringing to the table are creative ideas that they haven't even thought about that they can, you know, leverage to have a successful retirement, which is, which is smart, right? Like I always say that there's three people in every deal, right? It's what the, the bedrock of the economy, you have the broker, the buyer and the builder. Let's, let's call it that, right? In this scenario, the person wants to buy the business is the broker, right? Like, cause you're connecting the dots between the person who built the thing and the, or the, and the person who might have the financing, whether it's the institution or another investor or whatever to do, get the deal done. The number one job of the broker is the person who like, how can I create it? My skin in the game is my creativity to make it a win-win for everybody, right? That's mm-hmm. essentially my skin in the game. So it's like, it sounds like you're, the reason why you can come to the table with these deals with no money out of pocket is because you know the language, you know how to make it a win-win for everybody. You're, you know how to be creative and have a strategy that makes sense. So that's how it make. I hope our listeners can understand that's how you can buy these businesses, right? It's not just the access to capital, it's the strategy and the thought process and the, and the due diligence, if you will, on finding these opportunities, because there's no shortage of good deals, no shortage of money in the market. There's a shortage of people who know how to articulate the value and the opportunity to both sides. And I'll say that with that um, great, remember I mentioned the greatest uh, wealth transfer is about to occur with, especially mm-hmm. just from the baby that are retiring and going to be giving over those businesses. Right. Right. But there's, there's also uh biz by sell, for example, largest online broker for businesses. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they put out a statistic, uh, maybe the beginning of last year, saying that 80% of the businesses that list on biz buy sell for sale do not get sold. That's not because they're, that's not because they're not good businesses. Oh, sorry. See, of course, the dog is uh, running here. <laughs> but it's not because they're not good businesses. It's because most people don't know that they can buy a business. There's not enough people to actually buy the business, right? So brokers don't even... Uh, uh, there's a business broker, but a business broker is really just based on a real estate broker license. There's mm-hmm. no tr- training for a bris- business broker. They don't know what to do to get the business sold because there's not enough people to buy it. So businesses just sit there for long mm-hmm. and they become more motivated. And then bees swipes swoops in and it's like, random question. Where'd the name come from? I'm oh, sorry. I'm going to cut you off, Jacqueline. Where, where, where'd the name come from? So like bees, like what did like business builder be like, how'd you come up with that? I'm just genuinely curious. Totally ridiculously organic. It was, um, <laughs> the, my first name is Bjorn. It's a Swedish name. Um, that means, uh, it's a Norwegian name, like the, 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 the movie Viking the show Vikings. Bjorn was the uh, big bear is what it stands for. So a lot of people, you know, I'm Jamaican, like I said, and growing up, most people couldn't pronounce Bjorn. So they would just call me Beyond. Then eventually it became B, then B's. (laughs) That's literally it. Just cutting it all the way down. Okay. So I got two two experts here and I want to hear from both of y'all. So it's interesting because because when you're looking at a business, right, you're looking at the P&Ls, you're looking at the financials, you're looking at the health of the business, right? Well, part of what Carter promotes people to do is to write off a lot of things through their business. So if you write off a lot of stuff, so let, let's say somebody is selling their business, right? And you go on biz by sell, you're like, hey, let me get those statements. They're like, I got you. You look at the statements, you're like, wow, this business is trash. Like, they're not making any money. Look at all these expenses. They're writing everything off, right? Because it's a small business. So they're cash flowing a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. So in this situation, how are you telling 
your uh i'm not gonna call them client how are you telling your students to evaluate that kind of a situation and these before i let you answer that let me just clarify which well, is right uh teaching people to write everything off is important but uh also let them know that depreciation is one of the best write-offs they can get and when you're looking at a business it's, it's either the earnings before interest taxes and depreciation right so that won't if they do it the proper way the, the depreciation and amortization won't be a, a function of the PL statement when it comes to uh when it comes to um valuing the business but but yeah but how, how would you explain it i must say this is one of my favorite conversations ever because <laughs> i love the questions that y'all are asking it shows to the the level of integrity and intelligence on on this show yo i love this i love this have you ever wondered what it would be like to have a personal financial advisor that you could ask questions to to help you navigate, you know, spending decisions, help you, you know, figure out investments that make sense for you to help you achieve financial success. Well, you no longer have to wonder that because we created that inside the Melanin Millionaires Club with our flagship feature, Pocket Advisor. With Pocket Advisor, it's just like it sounds. You have an advisor right in your pocket where you can ask a real expert, real questions in real time to help you navigate your journey towards financial success. So if you want to learn more about that, click the link in the show notes, go to melaninmoney.com forward slash pocket advisor to learn how you can get an advisor in your pocket for less than $2 a day. Anyway, we appreciate it, brother. We we, we aspire to bring the sauce, you know, it's not (laughs) sold separately on this podcast. You know what I'm saying? We don't charge extra 25 cents to dip. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was a phenomenal question, Jack. That was good. That was good. So here's the thing. Uh, first of all, I got and I got two or three questions or answers for you. Um, first of all, that's a problem, especially just as an entrepreneur. Right. A lot of times we like, oh, we can write all these things off. We write it off, but then we can't uh, qualify for uh, uh, to buy a house because we, we were doing all these things out of the business. So our personal revenue, you know, if you're trying to buy a house for yourself, not within the business name or something like that. Right. doesn't match up. So that's always a balance that you got to work on. Me, I use a trust. And because of the, I use a trust, I only make a certain amount of money, right? It's only very little. So then now I, it's hard for me to go get something in personal name because it's like, oh, well, you don't make enough. Like, okay, well, the trust could go buy it too. So that's the first thing. Second thing is because on the tax returns, people are going to deduct all types of stuff and it's going to look bad on the tax returns. Usually the P&Ls are not going to look that bad. And the the first thing that you got to remember is that EBITDA is usually a calculation of a professionally managed business, right? Whereas SDE is more applicable to owner-operated businesses, right? Seller discretionary. When you're calculating, I'm sorry, yeah, seller seller discretionary earnings. And the reason why there's a difference between the two is because with seller discretionary seller discretionary earnings, you're going to uh, talk about the addbacks, right? Because as uh, as all entrepreneurs, I mean, I've done it. Maybe oh well, no, I didn't. IRS, no. So, <laughs> um, like, but like, oh, I'm I'm charging the nanny through the business as employee childcare, or um, you know, whatever these little things that I write off because I own. If I own the business all all um, by myself, I'm owner operated. I can do those type of things and put it in the business, but they're not actual expenses from the business. So you got to add those back in in order to get the valuation of the business. Once, so the, owner, once the owner's replaced when you buy the business, right. those won't be true expenses anymore. Gotcha. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why you got to know that you're looking at SDE. Now, when we're going through due, due diligence, we're getting all financials, all documents. 
The tax returns is going to show me one thing because you can't lie to the, the government too much, right? The IRS, not for too long. You're going to show your top line revenue, but then you're going to show all these things that you're deducting as expenses. So, okay, I'm confirming your top line revenue. Then I'm going to um, correlate it between your bank statements, your um, P&Ls, your like everything, right? So it's a, it's a, as, as a student, as a person that's doing it yourself, you need to at least be able to look at P&Ls. That's the very basics, right? And maybe the tax returns, but then you're going to bring in the, the professional teams that's going to look at everything all together and make sure that what they um, earned, and we just had this issue with the, the, the nightclub. It looked like the liquor orders, excuse me, for the month weren't matching up to the sales that they were getting. Like you're reordering such little amounts, but you're saying you're selling this. You must be selling it for a hundred dollars a shot or something. You know what's going on? But you know we had to. It, we we got more um, documentation that was missing, and we were able to correlate it. So you have to look at the total picture when you're doing your due diligence. And why wouldn't you want to when it lets you reduce um, reduce your risk? You know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. So this is a, I think this is a great point for this question because I mean all this sounds dope, bro. Like. Like, because if you think about it, a motivated seller, plus you might get seller financing, so you'd have to pay that much out of pocket. Plus, a lot of business owners don't know how to run businesses. So you can come into this nightclub, jack the prices up, start selling food, replace, and now you just, you just two, first of all, you bought it for a deal. Now you just 2X the profit in a couple yes. months by putting the right people in the right seats. All sounds yes. good. What are some things to avoid? What are like the two to three just major things or, or mistakes that you want to avoid when going into this market of trying to acquire a business, I'm assuming one of them is getting falling in love with the business, right? But like, give me give me some of yours. Yeah, definitely. First and foremost, falling in love with the business. Uh, second, I would say a lot of uh, one of the questions that somebody uh, actually a lot of people have asked me when they heard about the nightclub, they were like, it, it, "It's a Latin based nightclub." So they were like, hey. oh, "Are you going to change hey, it up?" Give me my sauce on, bro. I'll be there. <laughs> so they were like, oh, you're going to change it up? I was like, hell no. Why would I do that? It's been operating and producing the revenue that I want and for all these years, 23 years. Why would I just come in and be like, well, I'm going to do it this way now. No, that's that's that detaching your ego from it, right? All I'm coming in is to enhance, right? Why would I change the core if the core is producing $3.4 million a year, right? But, well, you don't, you only open at 8 p.m. and you're closed from um, uh, all morning. Well, you, at least we could have a brunch that is, you know, that's, that's not changing the core. I'm just adding brunch now and a happy hour now and, and Uber Eats with Ghost Kitchen now and, and, you know, whatever else, just marketing. Most, I, I told you I like the retirees. Most retirees weren't even on, uh, they're not on social media. They don't know what a funnel is. If I come in, so a business is already making, you know, four million in top line revenue if you without a marketing, without a sales team. With what? <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a 10x quickly. So to me, that's the approach overall. <laughs> no, that's one of the really beautiful things about looking at a lot of these businesses. Like a lot of them are, they have cash flow, they're making money, but like you said, they they haven't instituted anything new. And it's a lot of times because you know they're they're tired, they're ready to get out, they want to get out before the recession. So that's a good point. What's your other point? So okay, so that was one in terms of uh, don't go don't go in immediately trying to change things. Now th this one is kind of the next one is kind of a part of a of that or you know one a or something. Um, a lot of times when the first time I'm speaking to the employees, mm -hmm. uh, I reassure them that yo you ain't going nowhere. Don't worry. I I need y'all. I love what you guys have done. Um, I'm trying to give them more. I'm even trying to 
be willing to give them uh, maybe someone that's going to be in a leadership level. Uh, they can earn equity over time. They'll get an earn in on equity because then they vested again in the business. Right. So the the one A of biggest mistakes is don't go in and just try to fire people like Elon did with Twitter. Mind you, mm-hmm. what Elon did, I told you that this book was the story of the largest LBO in history, right? That was until this year when uh, Elon did it with uh, Twitter. Most people don't realize that that was an LBO, right? That's why he, inc- but he did it wrong. Uh, let me not say wrong. A way that I don't like. <laughs> Um, the root of leverage buyouts came from something called corporate rating back in the days. They really just rebranded it to leverage buyout, right? Because the corporate rating had a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Now, corporate rating is when you would go in, you're going to gut the business. You're going to fire everybody. You're going to sell off all the furniture, fixtures, and equipment. And then you pocket all the money and the, the business is in shambles. Like He's rating, kind of- like R-A-I-D, like yes, rating. R-A-I-D-I-N-G. Yeah, yep. that doesn't sound good. Exactly, right? <laughs> so that was what I, I've been trying to avoid saying it, but it was a lot of white community been doing for the longest. Uh, like Mitt Romney, he was going in, you know, he's a politician and everything, but he's a businessman first. And he was going in and raiding companies, you know, uh, <laughs> Trump kind of too. Right now. But you, but we also want to learn from these people. We want to learn how to do it, do it ethically, in my opinion. That's why I'll go right. in and reduce the amount of money that's coming out my pocket all the way to zero. But technically, I could go a little bit further and then put money in my pocket. Right. So I won't get greedy with that. I just want to get the business because I want the cash flow and I want it to be an asset for me even if it's only paying me 50K a a, a month, whatever, right? So, but then now I got 10 of them paying me 50K a month, right? So that that's my that's my approach overall is that I just want to make sure that um uh it, it's always going to be something that's uh long-term beneficial for me. It's assets under management, right? One mm-hmm. last thing that I would say in terms of a uh pitfall to avoid trying to do too many of them at the same time, right? I had to talk to a client too, because in, in the BBI, I teach how to do this, but I also have another company called Capital Bs where I have some friends that are like, I, I don't want to, le- I don't have the time to learn it. I just want you to do it for me. So, you know. <laughs> so at first I was like, well, if I did it for, but they, they were more so saying doing it together. I was like, yeah, but if we're doing it together, I'm going to do all the work and get it to zero out of pocket. Why, why, wh- what do I give you that for? Right. Mm-hmm. So it became a service eventually and people would pay me to, Find businesses that can be turnkey, um, you know, storage units, uh, storage facilities, um, car washes, laundromats. I love those pest control companies. All of these, I love them. Tow tow truck companies, love it. Um, find the business for them. It's like organized crime. They get away with everything. This is tow truck company that got me. I was there. He was was there. there. Yeah, Yeah, before the event. Uh, before we had we had an event back in December. And the night before a tow truck, well, it was a, it was a boot. They gave me a boot, but one was it was the company name Gotcha. Wasn't that the name of the company? Yeah, it was like, like it was, it was like Gotcha or something, bro. Literally, it was two hundred dollars for twenty minutes. Like like the boot was on twenty minutes. They got two hundred dollars because they have to come back out. And I'm like, bro, they do, and they get everybody in a row. I'm like, bro, that's like that's like two thousand right there. They're gonna make it like this next two hours. Like you know what I'm saying? And there's nothing you can do about it. Like guaranteed revenue. But yeah, I digress. <laughs> You know it said you should get a health checkup at least once a year. My question is, when's the last time you had a financial health checkup? My guess, it's probably been a while. And that's why we created the Wealth Health Score. Whether you're financially out of shape or financially elite, the Wealth Health Score is going to tell you exactly where you stand 
and what things you can do to get into the best financial health possible. So visit MyWealthHealthScore.com to get your score today. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just love those type of business. They'll, you know, hire me to get it, find it, go through due diligence, acquire it, turn it over to them and then good to go. And sometimes I end up with because there's a there's an initiation fee to get started and then there's a success fee after it's completed. And then you're able to use the funds from the business for the success fee. But some people also opt instead of the flat fee, they opt for giving me a percentage yeah. of equity to be as a, mm. to be an advisor because I I have the experience in scaling. So, you know, that's been helping me too, to just have multiple things everywhere. My guy right there, George, I've already used your uh, statement uh, maybe like eight times. <laughs> financial financial freedom, financial independence, and financially untouchable, right? You're the one that told me that, right? Yeah. It's just like mm-hmm. last month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the key there because financial freedom, yeah, I'm able to afford everything that I typically want. I'm not talking to jets and stuff. Just, hey, you know, whatever I want, I don't really, really even stress it, but I'm actively bringing in that money. Financial um, independence, you set up multiple streams of revenue that's replacing that active one that you were doing before. So now you're sitting back and it's just coming in. So I got, mm-hmm. I'm there, but I'm trying to get to that financially untouchable because the same way that you can acquire a $1 million business with zero out of your pocket, you could also do it for a $45 billion business. So I'm trying to get to that route now, okay. like my guy, Reginald Lewis. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I'm keeping you, I'm keeping you close by too. <laughs> Where you going? Yeah. <laughs> um, we got a segment when we have people on bees, it's called Tweet and Weep. Okay. So what we do is we scour through your Twitter feed and we read back an interesting tweet to you or two. Um, my Twitter feed. I don't. I don't even think I've tweeted in like over two years or a year, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, you know, you might have said this tweet. Um, it's a good one. You had some interesting ones, but this is a good one. Okay. <laughs> if you want different results, you have to start doing things you've never done before. Every year, I'm aiming to do something a different way, and it is the new year. You're very successful so far. You just shared with us a little bit about what you're trying to do, get to that financially untouchable point. So what are you going to do differently this year to make it to that point? Great question. I love y'all, man. Okay. So um, there's multiple strategies when it comes to M&A. And one of the strategies I've been focusing on is related to what Warren Buffett mentioned, right? That I would buy the small businesses and grow them and blah, blah, blah. So Mm -hmm. I tend to buy businesses that are between... 2 million to 10 million in, uh, mm-hmm. in I'll say in top line revenue, but really it's more so in the selling price, 2 million to 10 million in the selling price. I like that magic number because it's, it's usually a lot of inefficiencies in there for me to easily turn around and grow it in value. So I used to think I was so I could sell it, but now I'm focused on AUM assets under management. So I, I want to keep them now. Right. Right. But what I'm going to be doing different this year, because one of my students told me, I think it was like uh, the end of 2021, he said, um, Bees, you helped me to get to seven figures. I love it. But with the acquisitions, I see a path to being a billionaire. And when he said it, I was like, yeah, of course. And then I thought to myself, you know, I've been cool just being a millionaire and I'm just here. I'm just chilling. But I want I want that financially untouchable. Right. 
So now my trading or my acquisitions are going to be more like $20 million acquisitions, $50 million acquisitions. $20 million acquisitions. Something like, you know, just like, just like 20, you know, breakfast. Talk. <laughs> but that's, that's my minimum threshold now. It's a, it's a different approach, right? The, the, the turnover time is going to take longer. Um, I may bring in, uh, instead of the typical way that I'm doing the LBOs by myself and just structuring the deal, I'm going to bring in investment bankers. All right. These are the type of things I'm going to have to do now and change my strategy in order to go to that goal of oh, I, I didn't get to mention. I have a challenge out there right now called the trillion dollar table challenge. Right. And the trillion dollar table challenge. Um, I want to sit in a room at a table at the end of this decade with people that look like us. And we have a trillion dollars AUM assets under management. Mm. It's not a trillion dollars cash in my pocket. That's a portfolio of businesses, real estate, um, um, investment portfolios, everything together. And it's entirely possible through buying businesses. It's entirely possible through real estate. And it's entirely possible through, you know, playing the financial markets, Forex Mm -hmm. and uh, stock, everything. So I got to go towards that challenge now. And I need to make that shift to go looking at the bigger businesses as well. Right. Because you're going to be at the table. You got to be at least... Shoot, one on. billion. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was gonna say, depending on, how, depending on how big the table is, but you got about to be at least a Billy Strong. <laughs> at least that's, a Billy that's my strong. Goal. So but that's that's beautiful. You know, you got us to hold you accountable to support you. Um, you know, anything that you need, we got you. But there's there's one wrap up question that we like to ask. You want to take this one, Carter? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we one question that we always uh, ask our guests is, um, I know you're gonna be a billionaire soon, but right now we're still in millionaire level. So what does it mean to you to be a melanin millionaire? What is it mean to be a melanin millionaire? What it means to me is mostly about the youth. Um, the information that I found out now, I wish I knew it when I was 17 years old. I was asking people and I had nobody to tell me nothing. And in fact, they were telling me things that were wrong. They were telling me things like credit is bad. Debt is bad. No, there's bad debt and good debt. And we got to use credit in order to create wealth. Right. So for me, as a melanated millionaire, it's my duty to share that with the next generation of, of our other melanated youth that they're coming up and they just want to know, like, what can I do? What should I do? I had the most powerful conversation with my son. He just started college and he's, you know, he went out to Cali and he was like, um, dad, I found a, a sushi restaurant for sale. Can we acquire it? And I was like, you know, I don't really like restaurants that much, but we could think about it. You, you're saying you want to run it and be responsible for it. He was like, yeah, it would be so clutch because girls love sushi. And I was like, I was like, I was like, that's the wrong reason, bro. But I like where heads at. Conversation, yeah. You know what I'm saying? With me as a black man, to have with my black son, that yeah, we could buy that business, no problem. And that's zero out of. Man, you like you just got out of college not too long ago. I was about to say, man, I was doing math, carrying seven, buying business, must be stress free. Man, you looking good over there, man. I was like, hey, I'm sorry, man. I gotta enjoy life, always smiling. I got the smile lines though. So I think it's that Miami air. Appreciate you coming on the show, man. Nothing, nothing but gems, nothing but bars. And I know we've kind of been loosely mentioning that you educate people on this stuff and they can learn how to do this. They can get in the game. So could you share with the audience if someone's like, I, I got to get in this game? Like, how, how can they tap in with you? How can they learn from you? For sure. They could. So I have the BDI, the Business Builders Institute. You could uh, go to businessbuildersinstitute.com or you could go to my IG, uh, Business Builder Bees. That's B-E-E-Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and in there you'll see like, uh, some links, you could watch some different videos, get some more information, 
Um, you can get in touch with me directly through there. Um, and in the BBI, we have three tiers. So you could come in and just say, hey, I just want the information. I just want to learn it. I, got, I want the resources, where to go, who to speak to for financial due diligence, all of that. Cool. Good. You got that. But then we have the other tier, which is done with you, right? Done with you is we're meeting weekly in perpetuity for right now. And a lot of people say to me, like, you shouldn't be meeting with your students forever at just that little price that they came in. I don't care. This is a, I'm, I'm talking about things that I'm doing every day, yeah, right? Yeah. I like the, I like to come and be like, hey, I just, re I just found out that we can um, take over the uh, um, EIDL loan. We can assume it so we can reduce the price of the the selling uh, you know the the selling price of the business by that EIDL loan which is one of the best loans to have anyway right so when i found that out originally i brought it to the community so yeah we meet weekly we talk about everything and we just build in a community of investors that's trying to grow wealth overall so, dope, so, dope, dope. so let me let me um really quickly um just back up what you're doing so i've actually had a couple people come to me and said hey i bought these program and i'm going through it can you legitimize it and i'm like these done made it because like once other people are trying to double check on your stuff like you made it so you made it you're doing really well the program was awesome you got some really great students in there um all around glad we could support you thank you so much for coming on the show today we really appreciate having you thank appreciate you, you bro peace thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the melanin money show if you like this episode please do us a huge favor leave us a five-star review. And if you're not already, subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend because we're providing this valuable game so that you can level up as an aspiring melanin millionaire. Again, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week.